0: Welcome to another episode of Radio Contra, the podcast of AmericanPartisan.org. I, of course, am your host, the Commandante of the Mossy Oak Militia, NC Scout, and I'm going to be joined today by a good friend of mine, dude that I've had in class, all-around cool guy, somebody who is... uh, Neck deep into the night vision community, he's got one badass setup as well. We'll be talking a little bit about that, but we're also going to be talking a lot about some of the current events, some of the things that are breaking down today, some of the breaking news, of course. We've got a little bit of the Moscova to talk about. There is some things coming out from DailyWire.com that are uh, definitely looking like to me that it is going to be a... Pretty serious escalation if they are, in fact, true. And, of course, the biggest news of the day, Elon Musk's power moves onto Twitter. But, without further ado, Red Dot Rich, brother, what's up, man?
1: Dude, it is a pleasure to be on Radio Contra. Holy Moses.
0: (laughs) Finally, we've been talking about this, what, since, like, like, February.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man.
0: Between you, you and you and OG, and the whole the whole night vision, the 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 night vision setup, the the night operating rig that you yeah. got out there, man, out, out at Bob Griswold's place is pretty pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, I mean it's important to be able to do what you can uh, at night, just the same as you can during the day, I reckon.
0: Including drive.
1: Of course yeah gotta have the uh the i r lights in the rig uh on the rig rather just in case you can't go passive
0: yeah man well it's yeah you know, like night vision or i r lights like blackout drive lights are becoming more and more common like they mm-hmm. that's um it's something that bob uh, over readymade resources is something that he installed um on his super duty. And I've seen a couple other guys. Uh, Kay out of Combat Studies Group, he's got a a vehicle out there that he drove to class in Wyoming that he had set up for a uh, complete blackout drive, too. And um, I know there's a couple of coyote hunters that live here in North Carolina that have their rigs outfitted like that, too. I'm looking at doing that for me. Look, the only thing that's held me back is just time. It's like, I. I just haven't had time to sit and actually install the stuff. Man. It's right, but um, it's it like it, it's a necessary beast, man. Um, what what led you to to want to do that?
1: Well, I uh, started getting into night vision, um, and then you know the basic shooting mechanics, and you know simple stuff up close. Um, you know, hundred yard engagements with carbine and pistol. Um, taking classes with, um, uh, John Dufresne of connect consulting, uh, Don Edwards, of yeah. green line tactical. Um, and you know, once you make the investment and then you start seeing what else you can do with it and start going driving. And, and then he said, well, let me get a, an infrared handheld and hold it out the window until it's 30 degrees one night. And you're like, well, we're not doing this again, <laughs> roll the windows up, turn on the heat. And let's yeah, install some, uh, some lights. And then the only question from there was whether I installed 850 nanometer or 940s. Um, and basically, the 940s are uh, less visible to the human and animal eye, but they don't put as much output out. Um, but the 850s are brighter, but they'll have a little red glow in the lens. So depending on how sneaky versus how far you have to see, maybe you get a set of each. But so far, I'm just running on the 940s, and they seem to be working real well. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, no, I would agree, man. Seeing seeing how you've got your vehicle outfitted like that, it, that was impressive. That was real impressive. Because, um, I mean, I've seen military vehicles, especially like uh, the 1151s, the, the old-school Humvees we were using, you know, two decades ago in Iraq. Uh with the Frag five and the Frag seven kits, like they, they weren't as well anywhere near as well as what I'm seeing uh you know, civilians have out there, you know, and, and your rig was, was just outstanding,
1: man. That was that was awesome. But, yeah, I some people big build uh, bug out bags, I'd rather just take a truck.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean like oh man, the whole the whole bug out bag thing, it's like dude You know, like how far realistically can you walk? Because, like, in when you were in class, we had a couple of guys in class who are through hikers on the Appalachian Trail. And, you know, like that, that's realistic. Like, they're talking about doing, you know, 20 miles a day using all ultralight gear and, you know, on, on the AAT. And that's, like, you have to train your body for that. I mean, you know, when I was in the Army, you can't just have guys going out doing timed 12-milers, you know, you you, you the the uh, infantry standard, the ranger standard, you know, three hours, 55-pound ruck, three hours, 12 miles, right? Like, right. You, you have to train your body for that. And so a lot of these guys with the bug-out bags, like the whole bug-out bag thing, It's like, look, man, you know, have you have you walked any sort of distance with all the stuff on? Have you trained your body to do that?
1: Yeah. And it's it's one thing to be able to walk, eat, sleep and poop. And then if you want to throw on some capability behind that, whether it be tactical or communications or whatever, there's more pounds and some more considerations as to how far you can go. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, footwear. Where it becomes an issue a major issue um, it, what's it's like uh not to dive too deep down that rabbit hole man, but like uh, a very good friend of mine out of Wyoming who is it, he's he's aw- super awesome dude every one of those guys out there that's part of his his uh group his training group. Um, you know, and, and they're all well-versed guys, man. It's a lot of, a lot of soft vets, uh, special operations vets that are, that are involved in that out there. Uh, a couple of green berets and just all around good dudes. They're all wearing ultras and, uh, ultras are, are like super lightweight hiking shoes that, that are made like tennis shoes, extremely well made. But when they were in the scout course, all of a sudden he's like, man, these shoes really suck. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah because you're you're doing something different with this footwear than what you were originally like you purchased this under the auspices of hiking like lightweight ultralight hiking you know like what what you're doing out here is a whole different animal you know this is a different this is a horse of a different color man and so um you know, like like you you have to wear the right footwear and and for all that, but yeah, the, the bug out bag crowd, man, it's it's like eh, yeah, you should should put that ruck on and and you know carry it twelve miles and then come back and tell me what you don't need in it because <laughs> the answer is going to be pretty much everything you've got. Yeah.
1: Keep me warm and fed, you know. <laughs> yeah. Right.
0: But. <sighs> man, breaking down some of these these current events, dude, because we, we've we been emailing back and forth and um, looking over different headlines and, and just, like, all the things, man, the chaos, the wheels uh, of the wagon just seem to, like, I, I don't know, man, it, it's 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 like when, when your car throws a bearing out of the front end, and, like, <laughs> you feel a little wobble in the tire at first, and then, like, all of a sudden, it's starting to wobble more and more, like, Dude, it's, this is this is bad, man. Like we we've got the Chinese that are actively like last night on uh, the Sons of Liberty livecast. I was literally saying like the the attack on this Russian ship on the Muskova is going to have ramifications in the South China Sea. And I literally said like if if I was a sailor in the Navy in the South China Sea right now, my pucker factor would be pretty high. Because the Chinese saw that and they're like, oh, OK, this is, you know, this, this is what we're going to be doing. Well, they announced it this morning, the Chinese J-20 uh, stealth fighters, uh, their current uh, fourth generation fighter is with with a lot of American stolen technology that they use aircraft, by the way, because, you know, like our, our OPSEC behind advanced projects is like a friggin screen door. S
1: thirty five knockoff.
0: Yeah, yeah. That I mean, that's exactly what it is, and and they're literally going to be. They're openly stating they are conducting combat patrols now in South China Sea. Yeah, and they're
1: and they're doing so especially while um, there's uh, U.S. lawmakers visiting Taiwan just to make a point. Yep. (laughs)
0: Yep. It's dude. I mean, the writing's on the wall, man. It's. Honestly, I, I I figured that they would have made a move on Taiwan already, but they haven't and really I'm baffled at what what the hold up might be.
1: Honestly, I I don't know. The thing that I can say about the Chinese, which is impressive and it's it it's in contrast to the impulsivity of our politics in the US is they have a very long strategic vision, and they kind oh, yeah. of stick to that. You know, they kind of they'll keep up the pressure that, you know, there's no rush. Now, you may argue that this might be a good window for them, but I think they're also using this as an opportunity to watch the Ukraine and look at the global response and you see the bifurcation of global systems and people are picking sides based on their best interests. So I think they're loving this because they get to they get a preview of what the actions will be. You know what the US actions, the European actions and and throughout the world. So this they're loving this because they get to watch. How the world is reacting to Russia? And then say, well, what can we pull off? You know, we've now we've gotten a little a little look through that window to see who's going to pick what side. Where is everyone going to lie? And um, maybe make a more informed decision later down the road.
0: Yeah, it, it's, I don't know, man, the, the tactical patience behind it all is definitely it's definitely an interesting animal. Yeah, I think you're spot on with the Chinese taking a long game approach, like a slow bull, man. You know, they, and, they have nothing but time.
1: And I think logistically versus the Ukraine situation, they have an advantage. Whereas you're dealing with an island in the South China Sea that is thousands of miles um, from the U.S., And they have islands with anti-ship defense systems, which they're built to shoot down, shoot aircraft carriers in the middle of the ocean. I mean, that's what those are for. Um, So they have a great strategic buffer. And it's not going to be like, you know, flying things into Poland and driving them across the border. You're going to be in contested water space and airspace in the South China Sea, maybe trying to transport things from Japan to support that war effort. It's going to be a different beast. I mean, a completely different quagmire. And, and then it also put the same challenges on them, like at the same time, like they've got to do a waterborne operation leading to a land operation instead of just rolling tanks across the road. So it's a it's a different problem.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, you know, there's there's a huge buzz right now about the, the sinking of the flagship of the Russian fleet in in the black sea that's a that's a huge deal but if you think about it like that that is that is a major blow to them but what's going to happen like that that's just a snippet compared to what would happen if we lost an aircraft
1: carrier yeah i mean you're talking about a 750 million dollar ship with 500 sailors versus a uh, 13 billion dollar ship plus aircraft with 5000 sailors Yep. But at the same uh, – uh, the the story about the two Neptune missiles is being contested, and it might even be, be being played down by the Russian Ministry of Defense. They're claiming that it yep. might have been a fire, and the ammunition department ultimately sunk the ship, which naval accidents do happen, as Americans were well aware of that.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, the, the Russians are no, no stranger to it. I mean the, the Kursk uh, K-19 – you know, which is, uh, K-19 served as, as the inspiration for the Hunt for the Red October. Um, you know, and, and the real story was made into a movie with uh, Harrison Ford that was very good also. I mean, and and we've had plenty of naval accidents. I mean, the uh, the stall, very famously, um, you know, the USS Thresher, which was uh, the, the prototype teardrop-shaped hulled submarine that we lost at sea uh the u s s scorpion which was a another uh more suspect um they think that it was a it was a runaway torpedo that that sunk uh that submarine but you know there's a there's a lot of uh contested theories behind that but you know i don't know there, there's been some people who have um left comments and I've had a couple of emails from from various sources uh that that are going kind of going back and forth. The truth, I, you know, honestly, I don't know. I, I'm not an expert on naval weapons systems. I find them fascinating, so yeah. it's kind of a, a a hobby of mine. But I'm not the expert on
1: it by any means. If I could uh, have seaways on my truck, that would be fantastic. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> Just ride right around like like the mobile Jesse Ventura. <laughs> but. I don't know, man. This report coming out of Daily Wire uh, just a little while ago, earlier today, and there's a link to it. Uh, It's up on AmericanPartisan.org now. But um, this is coming from Daily Wire. The sunk Russian flagship may have carried nuclear warheads. Uh, And this, you know, I'll say that that Daily Wire is not prone to hyperbole, generally speaking. They're pretty solid in their reporting. This if this is true, if if this is coming out, um, that and and we can confirm it because it was carrying, um, it was carrying the P one thousand missile system on it, which is designed to carry a, a certain payload of nuclear uh, weapons, and, and uh, it you know you got to remember like we got out of the Intermediate Nuclear Forces Treaty. You know, that was canceled because of Russian development of nuclear warheads, uh, intermediate sized nuclear warheads. And and they were doing it outside of the the terms of the treaty. And they just went on ahead and canceled it. It very well could be that there are nuclear warheads. If that's the case, man, what do you think the ramifications of this are going to be long term?
1: Well, we're we're already seeing escalation. If it was, in fact, shot by Ukrainians. It was obviously the shooting solution came from U.S. intelligence, number one, because there's no way they figured that out on their own. And you're also seeing escalation in terms of weapon shipments continuing nonstop and picking up meetings with defense contractors at the Pentagon, another $800 million worth. They're scavenging missile systems from Slovakia, from Greece to try to get it from Cyprus. Anything that's Russian made, they're trying to ship it into Ukraine, with the promise yep. that the U.S. is going to replace it with U.S.-made weapons. But if this is sitting at the Black Sea and there's and there's nuclear warheads on it, there's a race to the bottom right now to get a recovery ship out there, I'm sure, on all yeah. sides who want to take a look at it. And I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it's been Soviet doctrine for decades, you know, before even before the collapse, that, you know, tactical nukes are a thing, even if they're small yield. Um, And 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 Putin Putin clearly uses, you know, going back as far as 2014, he uses nuclear escalation as a tactic where it's combat, peace talks, combat, nuclear threat, peace talks. And just to keep everyone jumping all around from side to side um, uh, to give, you know, he'll he'll do peace talks to resupply his troops and then. Someone escalates, and then he'll he'll do nuclear threats. He'll buzz bombers on around borders, and you know he'll do funny stuff just to keep everyone you know remember who you're dealing with. We got six thousand nukes, and we're also willing to use small ones. Maybe I don't know. Maybe in Ukraine, we'll see. So that's it wouldn't good, surprise me yeah. if it was on the if it was on the table, and if it was on the boat.
0: Yeah, and, and that's that's why it's kind of like your your assessment is a is a great breakdown, especially. Uh, analyzing kind of the the continuum of force strategy that the Russians have employed, the Chinese are slightly different in that regard because they they've kind of been tight lipped about a lot of stuff. But um, dude, that that is that that's an outstanding analysis right there. And and I, that that's really man the the heart of it is why uh, this story is so important to me and kind of standing the hairs up on the back of my neck because. Now it, you're absolutely right, man. It, it's like the plot of a Thunderball, you know, like like the the James Bond movie, one of the good ones with, with Sean Connery, where the you know the uh, mm-hmm. the nuclear bomber is at the bottom of the sea and inspectors trying to get it, and everybody's trying to get it so that they can uh, they can lay claim to a nuclear warhead, you know. And and now you, I again, I would not be surprised. Not shocked in the least if if this is 100% accurate. And if that's the case, man, it's anybody's guess now where those warheads are going to end up turning up if they are not recovered.
1: I, I mean, you would think that the Russian fleet, knowing exactly where it was and probably escorting it, are just guarding the water space right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's, a, you know, but you dude, love, it's, war it's a
0: question war is, of, is crazy. <laughs> it, it is. It, it's, it's a question of if they can get to it, because I mean, think about it like this, this has already disappeared out of the news cycle, but our F-35 that went down, uh, right. just, you know, a month ago and it was a race to the bottom, literally of, of the ocean to see who could get to it. And, you know, we we really don't know what the the final official story was on that
1: yeah and i'm i'm sure the chinese were were putting ships to sail immediately they were oh yeah it. they
0: did oh yeah oh yeah and and their i mean their their submarine technology uh which has been guided very heavily by the russians the russians have have dumped a lot of money into sub-development. Um, you know, I don't know, man. It, it's, it's it's really scary times. So, you know, talking about uh, Bob Griswold again, the made Resources, you know, he, he called me not that long ago, and something that he told me that I initially kind of dismissed is like, eh, we'll see. I don't really know. So he was saying, you know, if there is a nuclear exchange, if it's a Russian Nuclear warhead that has their specific fingerprints of fissionable material on it. You know, we don't know necessarily where it would have come from, but the world is going to be very quick to blame Russia, and it's going to escalate quickly because the Chinese are going to come to their defense. Um, India is kind of a wild card. We don't really know, you know, where, you know, if if where they're going to break down. But right now, it looks like that they're going to be siding with the Russians too. Uh, so, it it's, man, it, it's really scary times.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, India's the world's largest democracy, over a billion people. They're a yeah. very poor country. So, like, when the U.S. Yeah. asked them to sign on to the sanctions, they're like, heck no, we're not going to have riots in the street because there's no cooking gas. Are you nuts? You right. I mean, it's not even about principles at that point. It's about feeding your people. I mean, to to ask them to make that decision on some virtue signal for this, frankly, this war in Ukraine that we started in 2014 with Victoria Newland making the call. We're going to start the Maidan coup. We're going to take him out of control. And that's when Putin said... No, we're not giving up our only warm water port on the planet because the U.S. is coming in and swinging around. We're sending the attack helicopters. This ain't happening. And then you want them to join NATO? Yeah, not on our border. It's enough. The Cold War ended in 1991. What are we doing here?
0: Right. And and even NATO is is not they – they're lukewarm to all of this since 2014. They're kind of like, uh – yeah, so and that's, and like, seeing,
1: well, that's we're the we're whole seeing, Victoria Newland call. Her to quote, right. I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss on the show, but she said, yeah, 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 "Fuck yeah. the
0: Europeans." Yeah. That that was on yeah.
1: the call, right? Because <laughs> they wouldn't go that's, along
0: with it, right? Yeah, I mean, she she said, you know, "Fuck the EU." I don't care what they have to say. I mean, right. this is this is literally long-whip diplomacy that they, that Europe is is quite frankly grown weary of. Uh, the world has grown weary of it. And, uh, you know, th- a lot of very reasonable Americans have grown weary of it, too, man, because we've, we're coming off of 20 years of adventure and regime change, where everywhere that the United States foreign policy went. And I mean, I was on the pointy end of the spear of it, man. Everywhere where we went, we broke a place, didn't bother to really make it any better than how we left it. Um, and and it, it gave way to chaos. And it you know it, somewhere intermittently into that, about 12 years into it, we decided that we were going to overthrow everybody else, too, like Libya and attempted it in Syria and Egypt. But all these countries are still basket cases. Now, the, Libya went from being a stable state. You can say what you want to about Gaddafi and a lot of criticisms and everything. Yeah, but...
1: Now there's slave markets in North Africa. Exactly. Uh, yet, you know, the entire exactly. refugee crisis of the end of the Obama administration from Syria and North Africa going across the Mediterranean into Europe, we made that happen. Yeah. And BP you know,
0: profit all the way.
1: Unforced error. I mean, that's yep. just, we, we did it. <laughs> Whoops. <Yeah. laughs>
0: BP. BP has unchallenged unchallenged ownership of all those oil reserves that's mm-hmm. and, and that's what it's all about, man i used to I used to question a lot of the the traditional left wing narrative, you know back in the the mid2000s with you know the invasion of Iraq and everything, and of course, you know, I went there and I fought there and and originally you know you're of the mindset like yeah you know this this is what we're doing we're we're going somewhere to actually spread western ideals, and this is going to be a really good thing until you see the aftermath until you see what was actually done and then you start to question things Man, you start to you step back you start to lose friends and um you know you you've had to deal with the aftermath up front and you start to look around you're like all right, man. Maybe maybe there is there's there's something else going on here, and then you start following the money, and it's like, uh, you know, something's not jiving here.
1: Um, yeah, I'm, re- regardless, you know. the, the money included. But you know, you know, every time we allow the central government, Washington D.C. to, you know, get everybody all riled up and say, here's what we're gonna do, and they make these big sweeping changes. The unforeseen consequences are massive every single time. It okay. almost seems like the answer is small government, less central control, local decisions, take care of your community, take care of your family, take right. care of your business. And don't worry about you – know, you
0: know, it's almost as if there was something written that kind of laid that case out.
1: There's, like, a bit of a framework somewhere. I can't somewhere. remember. It was... <laughs> uh, there was a mission statement that was written in 1776.
0: I know that. It's, it's, um, <laughs>
1: there was a mission I statement.
0: Here, vaguely. But hey, yeah. man, I drank my way through history class, so I don't, you know... I don't <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of money, dude, speaking of money, because... The the biggest story today, I think, that's kind of overshadowed. There's there's a lot of fast moving stuff right now. But Elon Musk, Elon Musk and Twitter, the drama is unfolding.
1: It is it is the most gratifying thing I've watched in 2022. I, I'm having so much enjoyment watching people crack, break, and reveal themselves for what they are. It's amazing. And the fact that the board is going against it and that the management and the employees are going against it just proves that it's not build your own Twitter, start your own company. It's not about capitalism. It's about social control, and they will yep. not let go of it. They will not. It's fun. 100%. To watch. 100%,
0: dude. It, it's you – know, for for the uninitiated, you know, in, in case you're living under a rock or you just don't care or, or or whatever. Um, you know, Elon Musk, who is at least according to some estimates, the wealthiest man in the world. I don't buy that. Um I would say he he's Musk is not wealthier than the Rothschilds. Okay. It it's, it's you know. He's absolutely not wealthier than the Rothschilds he's not wealthier than the house of sod um you know it, it's the, he's not wealthier than the bowers it it's you know let, let's just he's he may be the wealthiest man uh in the public eye but he's definitely not the wealthiest man but um anyway anyway by a little uh, tinfoil hat over here aside but um I, I, he he's making a move to try and uh buy out Twitter in, in totes. Uh He became the majority shareholder, um, was uh, elected to the board. That all happened last week, of course, and, and it was really big news. And he made waves saying, you know like look this all this left wing censorship and shutting people down for uh even minor differences of opinion on things. You know, you're you're in the public square essentially. The electronic public square is is the claim that's being used now, and this isn't right that you're going to shut people down. It's something that you know I agree with. Um, you know, it, because they, there does come a point in time where free enterprise becomes so large and has such a huge influence to the point that that Twitter does that when you are blatantly censoring. Uh, one group, and you've created a double standard, or, or, a, a, a freedom of speech double standard. Then it it becomes clear that there are a lot of competing platforms with Twitter that are every bit as capable in the social networking uh, capability. You know, behind the closed doors, the the actual coding and and the way the site is run and everything else. Um, you, you've got a, a multitude of platforms out there that are just as capable, but they are not as popular and you have to ask yourself why that is and and brother you you nailed it when you said it's it's about social control it's about them picking the winners and losers and by them we're really seeing a convergence of government activity there with you know the the NSA the securities and exchange commission Um, undoubtedly there's going to be other federal agencies that get involved because it's really being exposed now that they all had their hands in the cookie jar
1: what's different about twitter than all the other social uh, uh, social sites or social media whatever is that twitter is the preferred social media of politicians elites intelligentsia and It has a major control over the public discourse. It's what the media reads for their talking points when they're going to put it on CNN or Fox News or MSNBC. It's the idea factory that pushes up towards the top. And what what the left has rebranded as content moderation is censorship. It's like, we don't like your opinion. Get out of here. You're not welcome and I I think that's why this is a fun battle to watch happen and I think Elon Musk is is, I think he's he's making a brave choice probably a smart choice and honestly he's just a nerd who wants to be cool and this is how he's doing it but it's fun (laughs) yeah fun it's fun and it's fun to watch all these sophisticates um talking about we need a content moderation, we need to control the narrative, we need to and they're saying the quiet part out loud, like this is censorship. You're just shutting people up. You know, they'll talk all day long about our democracy. And, uh, you know, all these things, they don't care. (laughs) They don't care. They they want to control the narrative. They want to be the earpiece to the microphone that is the mainstream media which you know wags the tail of the politicians and then makes you know major moves in this country or or not i mean if if you were against the ukrainian war for example you're a putin puppet right Uh,
0: you know right
1: uh, maybe risking world war three you know ain't worth it and you know in all honesty maybe we should have had negotiations six months ago before this was even a problem if you care about ukrainian people you know, maybe you say, you know what? Ukraine's not going to be a part of NATO. And then Putin's like, cool, put that in writing and we're out of here.
0: Exactly. I mean, we're uh,
1: not we're not, not going to have 10 million refugees, countless dead and the risk of World War three. Nah, that's good enough. That's nah, fine.
0: Right. Easy. I mean, a decade ago, you saw people with bumper stickers, that say, you know, peace is patriotic. You know, and and, I mean, you could chalk that up to to whatever. I mean, you you say a bunch of peace, Nick, hippie, whatever. But now, now we start to look at at the bigger picture. I wonder where all those leftists went because, you know, we associated that with the left. And, you know, now that, that, you know, I I know a thing or two about a thing or two. I'm I'm a hell of a lot smarter now than I was, uh, you know, 20 years ago when I, I started this journey into adulthood and, know uh international travel with a with a barrel of a gun and you know and and getting smartened up to the world like that you realize man that that's and experiencing the world outside of the lens of the united states and the hegemony within the united states you start to really question a lot more things And, and one of the things um that that i've come to really question over the years especially even more so in the past uh you know, five to ten years is: Are we really the good guys? Are we really the good guys in the world? Are we really a force for good? I, I mean, early on with the Ukrainian invasion, you know, it like they invaded literally when you were in class uh, when, yep. when we were having class out, out at uh, Bob's place in Tennessee, and of course it, that took me by surprise, and, and you know, a lot of disinformation was coming out right then and there. But as soon as, as soon as we got back. And we started looking at uh, more news stories from different angles and started seeing stuff and and the bigger picture of what was going on. You know, you you start to look at what's really at play here and what's really going on, um, you know, and and look at who's at the helm. Look at who's at the helm of all this and and the corruption and everything else.
1: The, The Ukraine is of critical strategic importance to Russia. Yep, it is a bobble in terms of United States strategic policy. Right, but it's a bobble with the most corrupt government on the planet. That is a money laundering scheme for the elite. Yeah, they've been stealing, you know, they tried to they tried to impeach Trump about a conversation with the Ukrainian president, which is the most hilarious part of this entire thing, when in fact. They are the corrupt people dealing with this government and giving contracts for to give out a billion U.S. taxpayer dollars so that their cousin Jimmy can collect a million dollars in consulting fees. The entire thing is a farce. And then it's amazing to watch the regime build up all the support for Ukraine. And don't get me wrong. I feel terrible for what's happening in Ukraine. I think it could have been avoided. I think it would have been very simple. It would have taken a few guarantees, a handshake. And besides the people of Ukraine, there's probably going to be 600 million to a billion people who starve on the planet because a third of the world's fertilizer and wheat production is in question right now. Yep. And for what? To steal a couple million bucks so you can send a couple billion dollars worth of weapons so that you can make this whole narrative, I, I, I mean, China's laughing at this because we're soaking up all these resources and putting them into this, and the sanctions aren't on, even on Russia. To a certain extent, they are, but they're on the American people, the European people, and whoever else you know signs on to this, whether it be Japan, right. South Korea. But there's going to come a time when, the Ameri- when America says we're going to do this and everyone just says, yeah, no, not this time. And it may be the time that we actually need it. And they're just they're using our juice. They're using what we have to squeeze our economic sanctions, the U.S. dollar, um, you know, our coordination between Saudi Arabia, our economic partnerships in Europe with China. And they're they're making people choose sides. And strategically, this might be the biggest blunder in American history, just so that joe biden can pretend that it's 1985 and he gets to be rough and tough against russia it's right I, i'm losing my mind over here watching this because yeah. the whole world yeah. is going to pay the price and america is going to pay the price and we're paying it now and we're going to keep paying it when we could have avoided the whole thing
0: yeah he he's well i don't think biden's in control at all i know he's just, told what to say yeah Right,
1: People, but but he's the kind of guy who's like, we're going to be tough on Russia, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I mean, he, <laughs> yeah, he's a willing
0: <laughs> participant, that's for yeah. sure. He's like,
1: yeah, that's what we're going to do. Okay,
0: <laughs> Biden smash.
1: Yeah, I'm in charge. I'm president. <laughs> rabble, rabble. <laughs> he's a dementia patient. Put him in a wheelchair and send him to the home. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Getting getting back
0: to the the whole. Uh, the whole whole thing with Elon Musk is that this is part and parcel of It, it is that Twitter, just as you were saying, it being the, the public square of ideas uh, online, kind of the marquee brand facebook has taken a back seat to this um, and musk seeking uh, control over that to, to essentially open it up. Uh, really reminds me of, of a lot of libertarian bumper stickers that yeah, you used to see in the mid 2000s That um, you know, the the secret libertarian conspiracy is is that they're going to take over the government and leave you alone. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of you know like that, that's what Musk. That's his approach to this at face value. Now there there could be some other nefarious things going on in the background with uh yeah. social media analytics and you know.
1: And even with Elon Musk, you have to keep in mind, he does a lot of business in China. Yep. He sources his materials from all over the planet. Yep. You have to keep in mind with SpaceX that he's a, uh, he's basically a military government contractor. Um, so he's got strings attached. Yeah. And, you know, so I, I take what he does with a gra- with a grain of salt. But he's also the yep. wealthiest man on the planet. And even though nowadays, you know, two hundred and something billion dollars isn't a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah. The impact that he has on the discourse is hilarious. He's he's the world's richest internet troll. It's so much fun. (laughs)
0: Yeah, and and I I really think talking about how he he essentially runs a a privatized NASA uh, with SpaceX. I mean that nice. it, it is the the free market answer to government spending or a government agency, you know, as as, uh, as libertarians like to say a lot. With, um, you know, there, there's always a free market solution to something that government does usually kind of inefficiently. And yeah. NASA, NASA, I will say, I you know, I I don't have any interaction with NASA, so I can't say. Um, but NASA always seemed like they. Did pretty okay there for a while until you know they became a uh, Islamic outreach agency uh, under the Obama regime. But SpaceX kind of kind of was was a solution to that, a free market solution to that, or at least a pseudo yeah, free market solution.
1: Um, I mean the U, the U.S. space shuttle program, uh, which ended in the two thousands. It was the, the cost per pound of payload was $10,000. It was $10,000 per pound to bring it into space. And uh, Elon Musk is one-thirtieth of that price. It's impressive. It's, it, it, it's a very impressive accomplishment to go from that dollar amount of payload to what it is now. And so him putting out Starlink, which I think is another the time being positive outlook it's it's like you can connect anywhere anywhere you are you can connect and i think it's on yeah. brand that you should also be able to share whatever you want from wherever you are i think that's a very powerful tool and if he sticks to his principles and his values and this thing happens i think it's fantastic i think it's great
0: yeah no no I i i love what he's trying to do and, and I think that that is um, it is a it is a good example of what capitalism is capable of doing when done properly. Uh, I think that it, it's a good thing. however, conversely to that, what the pushback that we're seeing is is the dark side of capitalism simultaneously when when the intersection of capitalism in, in its uh most largesse form um, at at the, the corporate level, which is intermarried to governmental capitalism, which is a type of, of – uh, it's, it's a form of socialism at, at the corporate level because so- socialism in, in totes, the idea of it is a type of capitalism where the government is literally picking the winners and losers and eliminating competition, which is something that we've had in the United States for a very long time now. Uh, in, especially in the post-war years, and you know the the difference the difference between fascism and communism in that regard is a question of of uh, the nation, it, it, where where the actual nation the pride of a nation breaks down, and and that's where the the difference is. Uh, one of the main differences, there's several others, but
1: uh, well, you this, can even look wh- at you can even look at Twitter, and you could say. You know, Jack Dorsey, he goes in front of Congress and we're going to do this, that and the other. And, you know, Congress tells them, if you don't moderate this content, we're going to regulate you. Right. And so they regulate the content. And then the U.S. Congress, as the United States government, is dissolved of violating First Amendment violations. Right. Right. Because it's the government who's not able to regulate speech. But exactly, they, they're also able to regulate the platform that speech occurs on, and with their <laughs> threats, they say, "Hey, we'll regulate you if you don't toe the line." Additionally, okay. no, go ahead, go ahead. No, no,
0: no. Go we'll, we'll, well. Finish. Go, go ahead, brother. <sighs> uh,
1: no, no, you go ahead. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh,
0: shoot. What I was going to oh, say shoot. is is that on that note, that to the larger point, that's what I believe, at least, they're getting ready to do with Musk as, as a ramification of that. We're, we're already seeing the beginning of this because just like in the Wolf of Wall Street, Jordan Belfort, uh, Jordan Belfort was guilty of running a boiler room uh you know the the real story of the wolf of wall street which is very fascinating love absolutely love the movie it's, it's one of my favorite contemporary films but uh i, I think it's a it, it's a wild success story of both how you can be very successful in america and and um the the promise of america but also kind of the the downfall that that's the Law inherent in the human condition, but that being you know that aside, the reason that they came after Jordan Belfort was not because he was necessarily running a boiler room or it was ethical or not ethical or any of that question. The reason was that he was challenging the standard old blood brokerages on Wall Street. And I mean, Belfort, admits <laughs> this, he talks about it, Belfort, the man himself, uh, who goes around and he, he's uh, a motivational speaker now, uh, because he was in at the end of the film. He, the reason that the FBI came after him and the SEC came after him, the Financial Crimes Division came after him, was because he was challenging the old money establishment. He had grown too big and now he was a threat to the, the power structure. And we saw, you know, later on down the road that with with uh, 2008 and the economic collapse of you know, the repeal of Glass-Steagall and Merrill Lynch and uh, Lehman Brothers and, and the brokerage houses who had been cooking the books for decades. Now, all of a sudden, you know, they, they're collapsing. And, and they did. And, and quantitative easing really had to become a thing. And, the, and that faucet never stopped. We, right. we saw the marriage of of government, the intertwined nature of of government and the Fed and the corruption in, inherent in that of them picking winners and losers. And it looks like they're doing the same thing with Musk right now.
1: Well, here's three examples. You're a kid on the corner. You're trying to make a couple bucks. You're trying to sell a dime bag for 20 bucks. you it on your cell phone. Cops roll you up, put you in jail for five years. Adios. You know. Not saying you should do it, but, you know, that's what it is. You're, uh, you're running yeah. a Ponzi scheme that's robbing from uh, millionaires, Madoff, and uh, you're, you're robbing the wealthiest people in the country. Yeah, you're going to jail. You commit the 2008 financial crisis, which is rife with fraud. You completely destroy the middle class. I will give you a bailout. That's fine good <laughs> and we'll keep bailing we'll yeah keep yeah you're good up. yeah you're good you want zero you percent know? interest rates we got you bro you're good <laughs> i mean
0: what, what's gonna happen when blackrock goes up because eventually it will eventually it will man and this is gonna be like enron on steroids you know
1: well The BlackRock thing is interesting. You have to keep in mind that they're buying homes across the country and they're paying below mortgage interest rates, which, by the way, are now at 5% for the average Joe. They're buying it with 0.5% money. It's cheap. They can keep gobbling it up and there's a chance that they can survive a downswing in prices, which is probably going to happen.
0: Yep.
1: But. Main Street's going to fucking... Sorry. No, you're good. Main Main Street's going to fall apart. I mean, interest rates rising. There's a recession coming. I apologize. I lost my words.
0: No, you're good, man.
1: Black Rock.
0: But, you know, to your point, yeah, there's absolutely a recession that is, you know, the bond yields are flashing recession. All all the warning signs are there. And I really think that they're going to they are going to come after Musk just because he is challenging that governmental authority.
1: He is. It's 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 the social control element. That's what they can't let go of. And that's where the big money is going to go. And they're going to support it. Uh, They're going to make sure that the regime stays in charge. And Musk's challenge might just become a troll. Like he might make a little bit of money, have a little bit of fun, but not be able to end this thing, not be able to complete it, to take control of Twitter. But it was a fun social experiment and it it made people choose their sides. It made people show yeah no, i'm pro censorship it's it's for it's the better for our democracy oh yeah you know, what do
0: you think out. is going to happen if this doesn't pan out
1: it'll be interesting it'll be interesting um probably more bifurcation uh i think i think twitter will um They'll harden their stance of censorship slash content moderation. Um. Yeah, it, it'll decentralize things more, which is probably better for the for everybody. It'll be fine.
0: I mean, he could bankrupt them overnight, though. I mean, if he if if they're they're kind of in a catch twenty two now, because he could just sell off the stock.
1: Oh, and it's, it's so fun run, to watch. Yeah. Yeah, it's so fun to watch. He has so many options. He has so many options.
0: I mean, I'm cheerleading it on. I, I hope that he I, I actually hope that his buyout deal doesn't work out and he short sells them. And and they just they go the way of, of MySpace overnight, man. Like that would be that that would be goal.
1: And then they've yeah, got to
0: start over from square one.
1: I'm going to my original thesis. It's not about money. This is a $43 billion company that makes $345 million a year. It's not about money. It's about social control. And then this is the preferred platform of the people in charge. So I don't know if he'll be able to destroy it. And he may be able to take away some of its power. But yeah, if it doesn't work out, I don't know. I don't know if it'll make that much of a difference. Or maybe, you know, it's just like people who stop watching MSNBC or CNN or or Fox News. They're just like, yeah, no, my politics are different. I'm not supporting this.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, our generation, the the millennials and, and, uh, you know, especially Generation Z, we're not watching conventional television. Like We're, we're not yeah. doing that. We're not watching the news. We're not watching the, you know, the outlets. I mean, CNN Plus, this, Radio Contra gets higher ratings day to day. American Partisan gets higher
1: I, hit numbers day to day. It's CNN Plus. I wanted to talk about this. This is, the, this is the biggest white pill of the big of the white pills. It is so fantastic. The fact that they spent 250 million dollars developing this, and they're only making $30,000 a month, and you know that they're carrying costs are $10 million a month. It makes me so happy to know that they're failing so hard. The schadenfreude that I am getting from this is (laughs) is, the, the heart palpitations and the smiles that I get from CNN plus failing so hard is one of the Biggest white pills of twenty twenty two. It is so good. It is I mean, so good. I I honestly I don't
0: know who in their kleptocracy thought that this was a good idea.
1: They hired a bunch and then of just big started kids consultants things. who said, "Yeah, do it."
0: <laughs> yeah. This it's just, is just idiotic, man. But they, you know, like they, I think they saw that Fox Nation was doing okay uh but the the thing is is that they're not even fox nation like they're not disclosing their numbers none of these streaming services have to disclose their numbers and so you've got like like um uh cbs uh viacom which is not doing well at all um you know they they've had disaster after disaster over there and they're just not releasing their numbers at all um, you know, Fox Nation might be doing okay, but I really don't know. I don't know anybody that, that really watches anything over there.
1: Um, well, you're, you're, people are they, just not paying for this stuff. They were asking a dying network with completely decreasing um, numbers of, of viewership to pay. And on day one, they cut the price in half. They <laughs> have no influence whatsoever. It's amazing. Chris Wallace, who left Fox News famously after a terrible debate in the yeah. presidential debates, um, there are rumors that he has his staffers checking the television to watch for his promos from day to day. Because he <laughs> went from an influence of having a million plus viewers every Fox News Sunday to having. Less than a thousand.
0: I know, man. That he destroyed
1: himself. He got paid. He did. He got paid. But I think what really bothers him is that he has no more influence on the planet. He destroyed himself. Oh. It's fantastic.
0: It is, man. <laughs> for him, for him being the son of such a legendary news anchor and, and journalist. Right. Um, I, I grew up watching Mike Wallace. I mean, and, and uh, his, his father, and right. yeah, you know, he he was an a, a admirable guy. I mean, he you know he obviously he probably had his his internal biases or whatever, but they never reflected in his reporting. Chris right. Wallace, on the other hand, goodness gracious! Uh, that pres that
1: presidential debate, I'll never forgive him. <laughs> he was he wasn't a journalist. He was a partisan, and yes. And, and yes. you know, current news, I think it was today or yesterday, the RNC, they're no longer a part of that, that debate committee. They're out. They're I no mean, longer playing the game. Here. He,
0: it's almost like he watched Candy Crowley and said, <laughs> challenge accepted. Hold my beer, Candy. I'm going to show you how this works.
1: I'm oh going to show goodness. you how
0: to be biased. Oh I' goodness. Do it. Dude, even even PBS back in the day wasn't that bad. Like you would have Jim Lehrer or one of those old hand uh PBS guys that, you know, they, they were I mean, they were communists. It, it, you know, it's is what it is. But at the same time, like they they weren't that blatant about what they were doing. He As, showed his hand.
1: There was no oh. principle there. There was no principle there. There was no Ask the honest questions. Don't take a side. He picked a side. Yeah. Good riddance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, uh, he's, he's like Megan Kelly too, but, but almost worse, uh, you know, thinking that she, he, he got picked up because of his success, uh, at Fox and, and, um, who is the other guy that the guy that went to uh, Shepherd's Film, the guy that went to NBC? Yeah. <laughs> none of these people. Yeah, I mean, none of these people realized each each one of these anchors that they they were not successful because of them. They were successful because of the audience. That right. The Unlike audience, you, you're successful
1: Fox, because of you and your audience. It's not like yeah. you, you got a show on CNN. They're like, yeah, you get a million followers. That's that's how it works. So, All right. You're successful because your voice is good and true, and seeking the truth and trying to figure things out has nothing to do with like, yeah, I'm a CNN, like yeah, I'm important.
0: Right. Well, it's certainly, man. We're, we're crossing in some very, very interesting times. I think uh, we should certainly revisit the Elon Musk story in a week to see where this goes because this thing is just. Spouting oh, out of control fun. in
1: a hurry. It's fun. Ah, it's so much fun. Yeah, the, le- the less central control the regime has, the better. Just tear it apart. It's so great.
0: 100%, and the more yeah.
1: people show it, and the more they show their hand, the weaker it gets. It's great.
0: Yeah. Well, coming up on the hour, Mark, got anything else you want to share with the Radio control
1: audience? Uh... Long live the Republic, and it's a pleasure meeting you, training with you, knowing you, talking to you, and, uh, you know, more freedom for everybody. That's all I got to say.
0: Amen. Amen, brother. Way well, hey, God bless, and all of you out there, have a wonderful, incredible weekend on this Good Friday. We're going to be back on the air with another episode tonight that I'm doing with Patriot Man. Talking about Good Friday, Lent, what it means to all of us, and of course, breaking down some of the other news stories of the day. Red die Rich, brother, it's been an honor.
1: Oh, the pleasure is all mine. You're a good patriot, a good American, and just a good man.
0: Nah, nah, the pleasure is all mine, brother. But anyway, God bless all of you. We'll be talking to you very, very soon. The Scout out. Back away. Back away.